Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 56. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning, and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, on this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to Brando Rich. And Brando, along with his brother Dusty, are the two guys from Vermont who are behind CashTrade.org. If you're not familiar with CashTrade.org, it's a social media network that puts people together that have tickets to live music that want to either buy sell or trade. Their motto is embrace the face, which I think is really an amazing resource uh, in this day and age where you know not everybody's so happy about how they're getting their tickets or plans change and things come up last minute and it's just a real cool way to be able to connect with other like-minded people who have uh, tickets to trade, sell, or buy. The first time I used it was uh, last summer when I was with my family in New York and J-Rad was playing at the cap and it was sort of a last minute decision but cash or trade came to the rescue and my sister and I went and had so much fun so I've been a really big fan ever since. Another kind of fun thing we talk about um, with the organization is the social aspect of it how people meet up you know before they have a beer or whatever and uh, they live in the same part of the country and end up being friends so that just felt super cool and stranger stopping strangers. Well, Brando and I have a lot of fun talking about his experiences that brought him to this day. Uh, We talk about his first show at the Boston Garden in 1993, uh, the Dead & Company this past November, almost 25 years later. And we get a chance to talk about Fair Thee Well, which was just such an amazing game changer show when it came to people looking for live tickets, um, what's been going on ever since. So I know for me, it always comes back to the music and the community. And uh, more than not, I need a miracle every day. So I hope everybody is enjoying the holiday season. They're having a nice, peaceful holiday. And I look forward to catching you guys in a couple weeks in 2018. So enjoy. Well, Brando Rich, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thanks, Stacey. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I think a lot of people know who you are based on what you do, but I don't know how many people have gotten to hear the stories uh, behind what what brought you to this day. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to start off talking a little bit about what you do because, you know, I've always been pretty adamant that, you know, I don't want to have anything on the podcast that doesn't really go back to, you know, what we're all about, which is the music. And you really are such a fantastic conduit for all of us live music listeners to be able to get to go see shows and um, and be fair about it. So, I mean, cash or trade, tell us a little bit about how it started. And- nice. Thanks. Um, well, back in 2008, when Fish was returning after their hiatus, um, and they announced three shows at the Hampton Coliseum, my brother and I, who have been web designers for a long time and longtime fans, have, you know, we tried to get tickets and they were sold out. They were like, you know, $2,000 on StubHub immediately after. And it frustrated us. And, you know, this wasn't the first time we'd been here, like so many of us. 
And uh, we just sat down and we're like, you know, there's really got to be something like, you know, for fans where they can help like score tickets at face. This is kind of ridiculous. So we sat down and over like a week or two, we kind of pulled together this website and threw it up. And back then it was called cash or trade for your extra.com. Cause as we all know, that's what fans say outside the show with their finger in the air, or with their burritos in their hand and, uh, you know, looking for a cash or a trade for your extra ticket. So we launched that and we went on tour promoting it for that summer. And by the end of the summer, we had 5,000 members. Wow. Yeah. Just like the, the response we got from the fans was so positive. Um, everybody really liked it and felt like something like this was needed in the community for a long time. So that's how we got started. And for the longest time, it's been sort of a side project. But we recently have over 131,000 members. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> roughly 2,500 members sign up a month. Oh, that's so, incredible. Well, there's such a need for yeah. it. I mean, there's such a need for it. And when, you know, just the current, you know, we're at the end of the Fall Dead and Company Tour 2017. And I mean, there was just... Oh, my God. I mean, just there was just so much chaos around the email and the verified fans and getting the codes and not getting the codes. And, you know, in today's world of social media and, and everybody being connected with one another the way it goes, I mean, you know, it's not the good old days. I mean, there isn't the, you know, going to, you know, warehouse or tower records. And I mean, our, our world has changed. So for you to be able to create an option that's going to work with the modern day, you know, to work with people, it's um, it's totally important. That's really just it. You know, like back in the day, you could, as you were saying, you know, you remember standing in line or you know, people would camp out overnight to uh, be in line and get tickets at a brick and mortar box office. You know, the internet has changed the world. So tickets or ticket sales are primarily online now. As great as that can be, it's been manipulated. So brokers are using high-tech hacking programs called scalper bots that literally obtain thousands of tickets like within the first two minutes it really makes it difficult for the average fan to score a ticket at face value oh that's like a it's like almost like watching like the stock market i remember when i was trying to get like tickets for shoreline last spring and i remember them going up and then them going like the prices going up and going up and going up and there was a point where like the lawn seats they went from i don't know 79 dollars up to you know like 189 or something and I was like fuck that and so (laughs) I'm like they'll be tickets and then going back and getting them for like $69 but it was just yeah it was Mm -hmm. crazy like watching it go up and up and up and up and then just being like no you know I'm not gonna buy high you know (laughs) so I'm gonna I'm just gonna settle back and um and it, it and it does work itself out but I mean to be able to pop over and see what real people have over on your site is just yeah I mean I've used it I went to CJ right at the cap in um, over the summer. And uh, yeah, like it was just sort of a last minute thing. Our family was in New York and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to go or not. And, and just knowing that there was people that we'd be able to get in touch with at the last minute just kind of played into our plan and it it was perfect. Yeah. Like as it turns out, they say roughly somewhere around a third of the people on the secondary resource sites 
are brokers who are trying to profit off tickets. So what we realized when we were launching Cash or Trade is that there's really just not like a place for fans. I mean, it's like there's no transparency on these websites. So you don't know like who's a broker or a scalper or a scammer for that matter. Uh, and who's a real fan? And and Cash or Trade is a social network. So it's much like your Facebook combined with ticket sales. People end up posting tickets and making trades and they end up like grabbing a beer at the bar or like after the show or during set break and um, they end up becoming friends and, and they trade for like many years to come. Yeah, that's awesome. So we like the fact that we're not only having fans like try to provide tickets to the, uh, each other at a fair price, but also the camaraderie around the event and uh, and how fans can meet each other and become friends is like an active component of what we're trying to do. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Again, like the social media, I mean, everyone who's looking for the live music, you you know immediately when you have that in common that you're, you know, that you have something that makes you like-minded and then just go from there, you know. And I think, you know, with the social media, with the Facebook, I mean, I know with this podcast, I mean, you and I haven't met in person, I'd say – Oh, 75% of the people that I've met and spoken to, I've I've met, you know, via the internet. <laughs> yeah, the groups, uh, you know, we run, because of Cash and Trade, we run over 300 different Facebook and Twitter groups. The Cash and Trade platform auto-posts ticket listings to our ticket groups on Facebook and Twitter. We've made one for every state. So we can help regionalize traffic and make it easier for people to find what they're looking for. Oh, that's um, cool. But yeah, like we weren't around early for the dead with this idea. Of course, the internet wasn't either. We did have a good opportunity to be involved in the Dead 50 shows. We created the Grateful Dead Face Value Tickets group, and that had over 20,000 people in it. it. That actually worked out great. We helped a lot of people score tickets to that event when it was really difficult and frustrating for many. But yeah, I got to really connect with the Grateful Dead community in Cash or Trade, mostly through that group. And and now more recently with Dead and Company coming back. So it's been nice. Well, I just learned recently that you are the admin or one of the admins behind the big Dead and Company group that has um I don't know, like 75,000 people on it. That's really active yeah. group. Yeah, Teddy and I. Um, Teddy created it. I'm helping out. That's been a lot of fun. We're actually amazed at how large it has grown. It's getting a lot of traffic. Oh, yeah. No, um, I always post on it. I mean, that's my – I'll post on my page, and then I'll share the post to that page first because I know it's getting so much traffic. There's uh, always some lively conversations going on over there. <laughs> yes. We're a little over the comparisons of Jerry and John and Trey, and um, that has created a, a bit of critique and conflict that has gotten out of hand. But I think um, we've been able to sort of come to consensus with the members, and it's uh, it's mellowed out, which is nice. Well, it's like you're never going to be able to get you get that many people together. You're going to get so many different opinions, and everybody has a different opinion. And and on the internet, people like to hide behind their you know their avatar, their name. People have multiple profiles. I mean, it's just all that crazy uh, shit that we live with. 
Yeah, critique is certainly welcome uh, and discussion. But, you know, there were a number of trolls, you know, needing to just fire people up. But we've we've steered clear of that experience. So, Well, very cool. Well, I could talk about Internet trolls all day long because I don't know. I'm both both (laughs) fascinated. Let's not go there. I'm, like, fascinated and horrified by them at the same time. Like, it's one of those things when I get, like – get a a personal relationship with the troll going it uh yeah it's just it's fascinating and and gets under my skin all at the same time so um Mm -hmm. so yeah we'll expunge that or else now now i feel like my heart's rate is is speeding up just thinking about uh (laughs) some of the characters that have come into my life from the internet what is nice about that group too i mean we have our own dead and company face value ticket group but Teddy has also allowed us to uh, connect cash or trade with that group as well, the, the large debt and company group. So we're able to um, auto post ticket listings there as well. Very cool. Well, so for you to get started in all of this, you must be a music lover. And that, again, ultimately is, you know, what we chat about here on the podcast is your stories and, and music and, and yeah, what got you, what got you involved in the first place. So I call it a dead community related podcast. You know, we're certainly not limited to the Grateful Dead. So you have a few songs. I want to hear a little bit about kind of your, uh, your early days and, and, and how the uh, picks came to be okay well i'm 39 so my first dead show i was 14 gosh i ran away from home (laughs) um my brother and i and we went down to boston garden gosh there is really no experience i've ever had that could match that one just the old school uh dead lot was unlike any other you know, we just stepped out of the car and the streets were like packed just with people. The drumming and uh, the Hare Krishnas dancing down the streets and uh, it was, you know, the smell of sage. And I mean, gosh, the, the McDonald's there was like packed with people, overflowing with people like selling herb and stuff. It was amazing. Uh, we were there on, uh, I think it was like a, the Saturday night. I think it was gay. But uh, we were able to um, hit that one show, and uh, it was the Ship of Fools tour, which was just awesome. One of my favorite songs. Uh, it's actually, it was the first time I've ever tripped, too. Again, I, it all comes together. Absolutely, you know, it's um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it absolutely intensifies intensifies the overall experience. So that's awesome. And, and this was in September, right? This was in the fall. Yes, they did like six shows at the Boston Garden. And this might have been show three, I think. But, but yeah, it was great. And then, um, you know, and then we went home and I think we sorted things out with the folks and uh, had a couple more days back at school. And then there was like a day off of school in there. So then we went back down. Oh, wow. And, and we caught the, <laughs> the last night out of that six night run. And that was it, man. I was turned on, you know, at that point. I mean, I know I was catching them in in their later days, but wow, I feel so lucky to have gained that. No, and then I saw a couple more, like I got to see both of the Highgate shows, uh-huh. which was nice. So yeah, I got caught about five before Jerry had passed. But yeah, Ship of Fools tour. Let me forget of, it. Ship and, of uh, Fools. 
Well, that is yeah. the song that you selected. So we're gonna we're gonna play "Ship of Fools" from um, from September twenty sixth, nineteen ninety three, to uh, kind of commemorate first song and the first the first show. So should we go in and uh, and throw it back to Boston, September twenty sixth? Yeah. Heck yeah! Woohoo! All right. Well, let's uh, let's throw it back and then uh, and then we'll be back and we'll hear a little bit more about uh, what goes on down the line.
Ship of Fools in September 1993 out here in Boston, my adopted East Coast city. Yeah, no, I got to the garden for the first time um, just in this last past tour. And it's it's so fun getting to know all the East Coast venues. You know, since I started doing this podcast, I get to talk to people about, you know, their experiences. And, and there was so many cool places on up and down the East Coast that I you know, never gotten a chance to go to. So it was the garden was uh, it was a first and it was fun. Yeah, great spot. Great city, great venue. A lot's changed. It seems smaller to me than I thought it was going to be. For some reason, I don't know why, like, I mean, I guess I was thinking maybe it was more going to be on the size of Madison Square Garden, but it seemed quite a bit smaller to me. Yeah, it it did. We were actually just, you know, making the comparison of, you know, remembering how it used to be and how much has changed. You know, that was the original garden back then, so... I think it was built in like the 30s originally. And, uh, you know, the, the balconies used to hang out, you know, probably like 40 rows over people. And there would be like four of those balconies and, and they would bounce. 
I don't know if anyone remembers that. Like you could dance and the you'd have to go in sync with the bouncing balcony. Oh, wow. Know? That's so cool. Um, it was scary kind of. But yeah, and the seats would be like, there'd be these obstructed view seats, like tucked, like way under where like you really couldn't see Jerry unless you like bent down to your feet to see like his knees or something and just how much has changed with all the construction and just you know now these venues are laid out and they're so spacious and easy to walk around and there's literally like no obstructed seat anymore you know yeah no I was surprised because I was expecting it to be yeah like a little bit a little bit crazier than it was and I just was like yeah I walked in it was open and the aisles were open and I mean I it was a good thing for me for sure but I was expecting it oh and I went to the DCU center I think that was probably my most cramped indoor experience that I've had out here on the east coast um Mm. that that place definitely felt like it was you know, overstuffed. Like when the show was yeah. going on, it seemed like there was enough room. But as soon as the there was a break, it felt like there was like three times as many people in the building than it was supposed to fit. Like trying to go to the bathroom or get a drink or whatever. It was insane. Yeah, we just had all these parallels from you know our first show being at the Garden to now like seeing Dead and Company there this past uh, this recent tour. And another thing we were talking about was like you would go up to like section three or 400 and you'd like step out and it'd be these dark hallways, you know, and people like spinning, like not, we're sure like if you should embark or turn around, you know? Oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah, no, I, I, especially if you're a 14 year old tripping, I'm sure it's a, uh, you know, <laughs> like it's a, <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole lot of components going on in your mind at that point. Boy boy from Vermont in the big city. Sure, totally. But yeah, those hallways, you know, where people are just sweating and just really feeling the music and just so focused and into it. And nobody in those hallways is standing there to, like, have these grand conversations with their friends. Like, when you're up there, it's another scene. You know, you're listening, you're in it, your eyes are shut, you're spinning, you know. We were just recalling how cool it was to, like, step out in some of those old, like, eerie hallways versus now and everything's, like, bright lights and, like, spacious and everything's built bright and the bathrooms are, like, where they should be. There's not really lines anymore. They're getting better at managing people, you know. So it's like a completely different building. I mean, again, this was my first experience. So they have just completely overhauled it. Is that in the last uh, 20 years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it became the Fleet Center after a while. They completely redid it at that point. But, you know, it was, you know, the Boston Garden was around with that that same construction for like many, many years. I don't know, 50 years or something before they finally went and redid it. And then it, it... I think it's been redone a couple times since then. Now it's TV Garden. Got it. Of course. (laughs) But yeah, and and even just even just like uh, city planning too. We were talking about that. Like, there's not really anywhere for people to like congregate like there used to be. People are funneled like right into the venue. You know, so you get out of your car and you start walking, and next thing you know, you're like at the venue door and you're swept inside. And you know, there's big highways and there's sidewalks. And you're not where you shouldn't be. 
you know? Well, I think, yeah, uh, I think planning that, is the key word on that one, right? Like they plan that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just over the years, just the differences where we were like literally that first show, we were huddled underneath overpasses, like the Boston garden, the gates would be, they were like underneath highways. Yeah. You know? And they just, you hear these cars and these car crashes going overhead. We slept under the bridge that night. Wow. In Boston. We just like laid up, slept under the bridge. We heard 13 car accidents above us that night. Wow. Now, I, I mean, it, it's funny. Now, again, going back, I mean, I went back to Shoreline in June, and I, I mean, that's really where I cut my teeth going to shows. And, and Shoreline was always very open and, I mean, obviously outdoors, and I don't think it's changed that much. I mean, that's such a special venue in the sense it was, you know, the venue that Bill Graham built for the dead, you know. So, like, you go there, and it's, I mean, it was literally designed for that. And my most recent memory, I mean, I hadn't been there, you know, and seen the dead in close to 30 years there and for the Dead and Company shows. And uh, I remember walking into the bathroom and just laughing about how many times, you know, my face had melted off in that same mirror, right? Like 25 <laughs> years ago, you know, being, quite yeah. a bit, you know, older and wiser and more conservative with my, um, you know, with my activities this day and age, you know, a, a mom mm-hmm. in her forties, you know, it wasn't quite the same abandonment as a teenager. And, uh, and it was just making me laugh because it all, it all does come back, you know, it's, um, Yeah, I mean, that, you know, this is, I mean, it's all the experience, right? Like, uh, I'm sure the music is wonderful, but all this stuff ties into what actually creates the experience for you. And, And memories and nostalgia, like, that's a big part of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's interesting, like, back to, like, the forums about, like, these shows, which, you know, are are on tour right now, these uh, Fall Dead and Co. tours, and there's, like, 12 in and two to go, and, you know, what 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 do you think was better, and people are weighing in about, you know, technical or set lists and stuff, and, and I just recently made mm-hmm. a comment somewhere, like, I have no perspective when it comes to live versus streams, you know? I mean, I just, I can't, mm-hmm. I mean, because when you're live, it just feels different, you know, and I don't know if it's a better yeah. show or not, but like it, it all just comes back to, yeah, who are you with and how are you feeling and what was going on? And, and um, it, it is all very sensory overloaded, you know, and I can't, I, the streams are great and I love watching them and I love seeing what's happening live, but yeah, it's really special. Comparing, like comparing shows is a difficult one. For sure. You could certainly throw on some headphones and get into the nitty gritty of, of solos and such. But like you said, when you do attend the event, it could come down to like whether you had dinner before. Totally. <laughs> if no. you were hungry or like were you well fed <laughs> or were you thirsty or did you have water there? You know, like right. those things go into creating that experience. We're like, man, I the best night. Like everything worked out, you know. Um, where someone else, you know, maybe they didn't weren't planned and they ran in last minute or whatever and they could have had a bad show like who knows you know i will say if i can talk about john Mayer. yes please of course Um, you know i frankly wasn't really excited about john Mayer being a part of it and um you know i'm I'm running cash and trade we're very open to music and and all experiences so i went in with an open mind and um i was definitely I was definitely sold. Like, I think he did an excellent job. 
was it the tight band that I thought it would be? Like, no, it, it was definitely loose. And there's a lot of creativity happening, but I was very impressed that John could bring the jams to the depth that he did and like navigate them and, and find a way back out. I felt like that takes a certain level of musicianship, almost like it's, it's almost easier to pull out and play the chords for the song. The first couple tours with John, like, sure, like, he would touch on some jams, but pull back out to play the tune, you know, because that's concrete. He knows he can get it right. But man, you get deep in some of those jams with those guys. Who knows where they'll bring you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, I still so, remember, like, the clip from uh, Bill mentioning on the clip from the Long Strange Trip movie how he'd be playing and he'd just completely forget what song they were playing and he would just kind of keep the beat and then it would come back around. But, like, somewhere in the middle of the jam, mm -hmm. back in the day, he had no idea what fucking song they were even playing, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great. I had a great time. Um, well, I should, I should mention that that was... Uh, November 19th, this past tour at the TV Garden. Um, and yeah, and that was excellent. Well, let's play that song next. I, uh, let's, let's go into it because you gave me a, yeah, we were going to, you know, we have a few different things we were going to talk about, but we're going to go have this one be the last one. But, you know, here on Strangers Stopping Strangers, we're not that formal. So, um, it, it feels <laughs> right. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should just it's go so. with it. So yeah, it feels right. It feels right. This is a totally organic conversation. So let's uh, so let's go back to uh, November nineteenth, and I mean that was you know just just a couple of weeks ago, and and I was there. It was so much fun. So I'm excited to uh, to revisit. It was I got a chance to go with my friends Aaron and Lindsay, um, friends from the East Coast. So that was um, it was just a really fun girls' night for me. But you picked out a miracle. So tell tell us a little bit about the uh, the significance with that for you. Well, I thought this would be an appropriate song. You know, all these years later, running cash for trade, being able to, you know, help people with face value tickets and us returning to the garden after 24 years. Um, and, you know, I was really just with the dead again. So, I mean, I was just like looking up at those guys, like, here we are again. Like, it's just amazing. And there's a lot of feeling there. And the miracle came on. And I was just like, this is, this is us perfect you know, and we look out into the crowd and uh, this Dead & Company tour has been very successful on cash or trade. We've probably had the most Dead & Company tickets bought and sold and traded that we've ever had. So just looking out into the crowd and, and like, you know, wondering about those numbers and like, you know, how many people are actually sitting in the seat that they are because of cash or trade or, or the fans, you know, connecting through cash or trade for them to get those seats whether it was a purchase or a trade. So that's always like a great experience for us too. Oh, absolutely. Kind of right on. Well, I know I need a miracle every day and uh, uh gosh, I remember when it came on and I was uh that was fun. I don't they don't they don't play that that often. It's not that heavy in the rotation. Um so I, I don't know the stats. I can't pull the stats out of my ass right now, but I do feel <laughs> like it is, it's lower on the stats. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I was know. happy to hear it that night for sure. I, I was stoked too. Well, let's go play it. I need a miracle, man. It's a, uh, it's a Monday in December and I know I need a miracle every day. And, um, you know, certainly today. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's nice. hit it. Um, 
Well, back from I Need a Miracle Every Day from the Garden. And uh, so we went a little out of order. There was another song in the middle. And um, I imagine this was probably a bit of a, a game changer for cash or trade. And you kind of touched on it earlier. Tell everyone a little bit about your experiences with Fare Thee Well. Well, that was kind of wild. Um, cash or trade was sort of on the rise for sure. But uh, the Grateful Dead 50th shows really bought, brought a lot of traffic and widened the demographic, too. It was nice because it helped us get more uh, of a wider age range, you know, and people coming back to see, you know, the music that they loved uh, fairly well. It was amazing. We had great numbers on the site. And uh, as I mentioned in that Facebook group, but we also worked with uh, fan art Pete. You may have heard of. He put on a uh, art show for the few days there um, at Congress Plaza, and uh, we were able to set up our tent. Well, not our tent, but our table. Often like to set up a cash or trade table where we do a little bulletin board, paper slips that people can actually write their trades right on. Oh, that's it's cool. Our low- yeah, it's our low-tech version. So, sure, people can still post to the website, but it's also fun to just have that right there on the spot. So, you know, tons of people came by and posted up their trades of what they were looking for, if they had their Friday for their Sunday night or whatever. And, uh, you know, we had a couple hats and pins there. People got to wander around and check out all this amazing art and um, and purchase and stuff. And it's a great experience. And then... You know, growing up in the later days of, of the Grateful Dead and certainly becoming a major Fish fan, that was a pretty important moment in my life to be there and, and see Trey uh, play with them and uh, how honorable that must have felt for him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, for me, that was um, that was really special, you know, because, I mean, for me, just to think about what he was feeling to be up there and, and how great that felt, you know, at that event, you know, made it more special for us. For, sh- for sure. I mean, I think I-, I was not there, but I mean, it really was, from what I can see, the, from a little distance. I mean, it was such a, a conduit to people reconnecting and, and saying, like, wow, this, you know, this this was amazing and we, we want more of this, you know, and it seems like it was a turning point for the community and just the perfect storm for everything to, to kind of take on a whole nother take on flight, take on a whole nother course. Yeah. You know, I think, I think probably overall, Sean Mayer is probably maybe the better pick for that type of music. I do think it was amazing to see Trey with them. And that was super special. And I'll never forget that. I think there's like a chemistry with the dead and company just as a band altogether too. I mean, I feel like there's so much, um, you know, I mean, I think that there's been, and, and I have not, you know, seen a lot of the live music in between. So this is, again, coming from from somebody who's just kind of looking in from the outside. But, you know, I mean, what O'Teal's brought to the table and with him singing, you know, some of the beautiful Jerry ballads. And, I mean, I just love, love, love Jeff. I mean, you know, he's, you know, been playing with Bobby for a long time. But I think... I think that there's something about a chemistry within music and with communities that, you know, it's it's like a recipe, you know, and you don't necessarily, you know, it's it, other recipes aren't necessarily not good, but I think that that there's something in this recipe that is just really clicking and um 
and it's just the, yeah. the the cosmic energy of all of it together. And I, I don't, I listened to to fairly well, and and I really enjoyed it. And there's a few songs that I really liked um, that have been directed to. But again, it goes back to that live experience, chemistry, feeling that I think everyone's having. And um, you know, it's terrible. They're all they're all their own. Yeah, yeah, they certainly are. And, and you know, I just I think it was great to have Trey at that moment, and perfect to sort of bring. Um, the communities together as well. I felt like that was a big part of it because if anyone has earned that position, I feel like Trey obviously earned that. No one else has created that community and tour gathering uh, other than the Grateful Dead. To that extreme anyway. So it just, it seemed right. And, and it was, and it, it was great. And I think and continuing on with the Dead and Company and choosing John Mayer, I think that was a good choice. Well, and Fish is doing amazing. I mean, they've got such a following. I mean, I mean, it just blows my mind when I think about, you know, over the summer, the Baker's Dozen, you know. I mean, 13 shows mm. in a row at Madison Square Garden. I mean, who does that, you know. So they, as a band, are just, you know, I mean, there's so many people that look forward to those shows and there's you know, populate those shows. I mean, more than any touring band in the country, I would imagine at this point. Yeah. I mean, the basic dozen was really a highlight the whole marketing and, and concept around those 13 shows, you know, not one repeat and, you know, the donuts every night the, and New York city. Uh, it was, it was amazing. It was a, one of their many pinnacles, but uh, definitely a highlight in their career happy to happy to be a part of you know their experience as well how many of those shows did you catch Got a handful not not all of them <laughs> well 13 uh, a lot does, now do many people catch all 13 i mean i don't know that much uh, about fish i mean what's like statistically like would people is that viable that a lot of people caught 13 or is that oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. people did <laughs> for sure <laughs> Right my on. friends, front row every night, you know, those rail riders. Oh, yeah. Oh, big yes. cash for traders, which I love. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, no, gosh, 13 nights riding the rail at Madison Square Garden. I can't even, um, yeah, I'm just an old <laughs> fuck. I can't even wrap my mind around that. But uh, but yay for them, you know, like keep, keep the magic yeah. going. That's awesome. I've always been a behind-the-stage person myself. Um, it's always been where my family and friends go and it's just easy to go find them and yeah. always have like dancing room. Like 90% of my shows are always behind the stage and I love it. I choose to be. <laughs> you know? Well, I love that there's so many different options and that people choose, you know, I love that there's, you know, people who like to position themselves for the sound or for the view or for their mm. friends or for the dancing. And, you know, there's so many mm. different, there's, there, there is, it works because there is no, if everybody all wanted to be in the same place, it would be impossible. So I think it's perfect. Yeah. It is nice to see, you know, when it, I mean, so many people want the floor, but you know, it is nice when I see trades pop up on cash or trade for people trading their floors for like a couple seats in the 100 levels or something. And uh, it's nice to see it sort of reverse, you know, or instead of people always trading for floor, you know, you can have the opposite too, because sometimes people want to see and they want to sit next to their friends, you know. 
Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, I've definitely had, it's funny when I think about the Boston shows that we were just talking about the difference between the Friday and the Sunday. And I like to kind of go all around, you know, I mean, I like to be on the floor. I like to be with my friends. I like to have the option to be where I want to be and to kind of Mm. sit and be in different spots at different times. But there has been several shows in the last year where I've been, you know, on the floor and in a spot. And sometimes I've made friends and it's been a great spot. And sometimes I felt kind of lonely and I felt like, wow, I mean, this is really cool. I'm like right here and I'm, I'm getting to, you know, see the music up close and being part of the vibe and the energy. But I really kind of came here to hang out with, you know, this friend or that friend and I'm not experiencing it with them. And so then I'll bail and go back and find the friends and, and then I'll be in another spot and then I'll, I'll crave getting, again that like close you know whatever like energy that you get up there so I prefer to be able to mix it up but you really can't it is kind of lonely if you're not with the people that you wanted to go with comes up you know yeah it's I do like as you were saying just like floating yeah um you know those days have changed a bit though too you know like back in the day I feel like uh, it was sort of, at least with fish anyway, there was sort of this unwritten rule that you just got a ticket and you went in and, uh, yeah. you never sat in your seat. And if someone was in your seat, you were just like, okay, man, it's cool. And you like went and found your own spot to go to. But those days have certainly changed. Now people not only pay a lot, but work hard to get those seats and um they're not always that willing to give them up (laughs) no Um, no it's it has absolutely it's a it is it's changing day by day and i feel like yeah sometimes sometimes it's received and it works and sometimes not so much but i i think a um but i'll take a good vibe over a good spot you know like so if i have a spot but the vibe isn't good around me and it just doesn't feel like it's where i should be then i am happy to keep on moving because you know it is about finding your friends and and being in the right spot and i mean i'm a fairly small woman i'm five foot two you know a fairly petite girl so woman so people tend to be you know and i'm so happy being there you know i mean i'm not Oh, so yeah, little the us little people, you know, we can navigate a little better. You know, we're like little yeah, people. We can. You can, and as long That's as you don't bring a crowd with you, if you're just solo and you're super happy and pumped, and you're and you're alone, mm-hmm. then you know, I feel like you have a little bit more flexibility. But yeah, no, not everyone is accepting, and when I get that, when I get that feeling, I just keep on moving <laughs> to the next spot. <laughs> For yep, sure, totally. Well, let's uh, let's play the last song. Um, let's go back to Fare Thee Well. Cause, yes. I, mean, I-, I chose uh, Standing on the Moon. For me, I, I know it's not the most jammed out song of Fare Thee Well with Trey, but for me, I was down there on the floor and just, uh, and as I was saying earlier, just when he came on and, and sang that, I, I was just thinking back like, man, like, how he must feel, like the ability to not just play with them, but to sing this song. I mean, in Jerry's place, singing that song with this band at that moment, it was just, it was a special time for me. So, so that's why I chose it. Beautiful. Well, let's go in and play it, and then we will come back and, uh, and say goodbye. Enjoy. Great.
well in Chicago 2015. The show that that changed a lot for a lot of people. Game changer, man. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. I'm uh, I'm excited to meet one day in person, hopefully soon, both hailing from New England. Yeah, it's too bad we didn't catch each other in Boston, but uh, next tour, I'm hoping we have a solid 2018 Dead & Company tour. I've heard rumors of Many nights, but who knows? Who knows? I think there's going to be a good tour. I, I heard a rumor recently that they're going to be, I mean, just like today, that they're going to be at Lock-In. Did you see that one? Oh, cool. I could see that. A rumor as of December 4th. Yeah. Still still in the rumor mill. Yeah, no, I think they're yeah. going to have a solid summer. Do that, and then Phil, you know, Phil will be down there probably, and uh, he could step up and play a couple tunes. That'd be good. I'll take it all. I'll take yeah. it all. Just put it all out there, and then, yeah. and then we can pick and choose what we have the the resources right. for. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. No, this was super fun. Um, absolutely. And thank you for, you know, everything that you do for the live music community. You know, I know everybody really appreciates it. And, and it's, uh, it's a great, great way to make friends and to, to get to go see some live music, which is what we're all about. Nice. Yeah, thanks so much. Cashatrade.org. Tell your friends. <laughs> right on. And as you like to say, embrace the face. Embrace the face. Woo! Yeah. That's the tagline. Embrace the face. Don't steal your face. Embrace the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.